everybody. We are here. We are rocking. Let's do this. Welcome. Today's date is September 8th. It is Thursday. This is episode number 193 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osher. And over the next 45 minutes, we are going to be ripping into the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be providing my expert analysis on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner or if you're looking to break in the industry. We got something going for you. What's up, Just a Bike? Good to see you. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and get your business back on track. BarricadeCyber.com. Consider jumping over on that website and scheduling a no-obligation call with Eric Taylor, CEO of the company, just to talk about what would happen if ransomware slapped you in the face later today for your business. What would your response strategy be? Good, good people over there. Also, huge advocate of the newest Simply Cyber sponsor, Recon InfoSec, also sponsoring the raffle for today where we're giving out two to count them, student passes to their core training. Listen, if your organization's large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to build a full-fledged security operations capability from the ground up, check out the Managed Detection and Response, AKA MDR, offering from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. It's literally a security service run by security people. Now, I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs like PNPT, CISSP, CISA, SISM, GAC, etc. I don't know if SEC Plus requires CPEs, but let's just say it does. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So just like this one right here, half a CPE. If you've been here all week, this will be two full CPEs. Tomorrow would be two and a half. You get two and a half a week, 10 a month. Okay, guys, they stack up. Be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. Just say what's up in chat. Pamela, boom, greetings everyone. She's here. Olu Sigan, good morning everyone. Hashtag team live. He's got a CISM. Boom, these are CPEs. Shuttle crabs here, munchkins here. Guys, just say what's up in chat, okay? It's not Worldwide Wednesday, so you don't need to say where you're coming from, but we totally dominated yesterday. I look forward to kicking butt next Wednesday as well. If you are live, love it. I see 69 of us in here. No snickering, BSEC. 69 of us in here. People are going to keep coming in as they get notified that we're up and running. Thank you so much for being here. Hashtag team live. If you are watching on replay, go ahead and drop a hashtag team replay um in chat or in the comments thanks for catching the stream uh genuinely appreciate it but if you are watching on replay or listening on your podcast app of choice because we do put this on audio podcast right after the show ends every day you have the ability of time travel so you can jump ahead uh if you want to get right to the news and skip the pleasantries for, so just jump ahead maybe two minutes and we'll be off and running and you'll be consuming that ever valuable cybersecurity news stories of the day. But if you want, if you're team live, if you like pleasantries, hang out with us for the next couple minutes because we're going to be saying what's up to everybody in chat. What is up, Alexander? Alexander says, how are we supposed to prove the CPE? Well, if you're here and you say what's up, if an auditor says, 
Hey, wait a minute. What is this daily cyber threat briefing that you're claiming CPEs for? I don't get it. You could say, well, it's a daily cyber threat briefing. Here's the link to the streams. I said, what's up in chat every single episode. So you can forensically audit all of the episodes and see that I was there. Each one's half an hour. One CP is one hour. This counts as professional development because we are talking about cybersecurity news. It's threat intelligence. It's a briefing. We're all networking here. If you have a problem auditor, uh, come back and let's talk about what your gripes are. But in reality, they're going to say, okay, how many CPEs? I do want to point out, I've noticed on LinkedIn, if you are consuming on LinkedIn, like uh, Hilal is right now, um, the LinkedIn comments, it's very difficult to um, to see the comments because they, they kind of do it on time-based. So just just be mindful. Usually most people say what's up in the first couple minutes of the stream. So you'll be able to pull that yourself. Um, but that's the deal. What's up, Jim Lund? Hey, Derek, Damian, Darcy, hashtag Team Live. Leah Zimmerman coming from the great state of Pennsylvania. Justin Gold, uh, South Carolina living, my man. Breck means good morning, Team Live. Good to see everybody. Ken Pryor from Southern Illinois. Guys, got the soundboard working up. Got the soundboard up. This one's for Kimberly. Great cash, homie. Guys, it was a Bluetooth issue yesterday. My audio issues, my soundboard had connected to my Bluetooth speaker, which was turned down. So I thought I wasn't getting any audio. And in reality, I just have a ridiculously overcomplicated sound situation going on up here. And I don't like wearing these cans for eight hours a day. My ears get hot and sweaty. So I was trying to do a Bluetooth speaker, but oh no, heaven forbid Jerry does something with audio. It, it's like a it's like a house of cards. Like you try to like do one thing and like the entire thing collapses. Hey, Alexander, good to see you. Kareem Collins, Tasia Reddy is up in here looking for a SOC analyst position. Hey, if you guys are looking for SOC analyst training, stay tuned for later in the show when we drop two um, recon infosec security operation trainings, one live raffle, one uh, was set up for team replay. So you can go to the Discord server right now exclamation point discord in chat go to the discord server go to the giveaway channel on the discord server hit the little celebration emote to enter we're giving away two today they're thirty five hundred dollars each so two people are going to win thirty five hundred dollars worth of value today i can't wait to give them out Ten thirty eight is when the um the team replay one is scheduled to go off all right, guys, I think that that's going to do it for the pleasantries. Time to get into our business. Let's do it. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, September 8th, 2022. CISA asked for feedback on reporting rules. Back in March, President Biden signed a new law requiring critical infrastructure owners and operators to report major cyber attacks to CISA within 72 hours and ransomware within 24 hours. CISA Director Jen Easterly said officials will formally begin asking industry leaders for feedback on the regulatory structure for this reporting in the next couple of days. The agency will use the feedback to better understand what's going on in the private industry ecosystem to build an effective regulatory apparatus. Easterly emphasized she wants a consultative rulemaking process. Wow. Okay, so check this out. This is uh, pretty good. So, guys, if you don't know, this is Jen Easterly. This is probably the most professional-looking photo I've seen of her. Not that not that she's unprofessional, but she's just she's she's 
cool, <laughs> really, frankly. Uh, maybe some of you met her at Black Hat DEFCON. She was wandering around. She's the director of CISA, CISA. Um, I love that they're doing this public-private sector partnership. Again, <laughs> if you want buy-in from private sector, you need to include them in the conversation, okay? And I love this quote right here because this basically sums it up. We don't want to burden industry and we don't want to burden the federal government with noise either. So looking for that that perfect blend of, hey, let us know what's going on, but also at the same time, don't let us know everything that's going on because we don't have enough uh, person power to like d handle all of that noise and maybe run down red herrings. Um, right now, they're talking about critical infrastructure uh, owners reporting major cyber attacks to CISA within 72 hours and ransomware within 24 hours. Now, we've, we've talked about on the show before, like when India uh, required that private sector like Facebook and, and Amazon and stuff notify within like eight hours of a, any cyber incident. Like you have to be realistic with what gets reported. Major cyber attacks uh, on critical infrastructure owners Major cyber attacks. This is a subjective term. What defines major? We'd have to put some parameters and some standards around what defines major. But for the most part, you you almost kind of know. Like if you're getting hit in what feels like a nation state threat actor way or a sophisticated criminal enterprise way, that's kind of a major attack. I almost feel like the defining major attack would be better served of like kind of a gut feeling versus um, kind of a... a, a um, some type of prescriptive criteria, although they will have prescriptive criteria, I would expect, in order to avoid anyone uh, goofing around. Now, 24 hours with ransomware attacks. Again, when you get ransomware, you know it. The threat actors make you well aware that you have been ransomware because they want to get paid, right? The reason that they're saying 24 hours, if I had to speculate, is because they, if, if, if you're a critical infrastructure, say you're a water uh, treatment plant in South Carolina and you get hit with ransomware, CISA wants to know this because if other water treatment plants around the country are being targeted because a threat actor has decided that this is the 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 type of attack that they're going to do, or it's a coordinated military strike, right? Like, oh, we're going to hit all of the power plants in Texas all at the same time. CISA wants that information to be able to pull it up and then get you know, uh, talent and staff working on it and then disseminate down to potentially other affected parties that may be already compromised or are being targeted with a higher uh, degree of likelihood and the government would have higher confidence of that attack. So I'm all for this. I think that threat intelligence, um, whether it's, uh, you know, technical threat intelligence like IOCs that are done through uh, taxi and sticks and stuff like that, that you can ingest into a SIM tool or something like that is great. But also threat intelligence with knowledge sharing, which is like what we do on this daily cyber threat briefing. They're talking about doing it in an information sharing and an analysis center way where you get an email from CISA with like, you know, fl like not flag red, there's a term, uh, alert red or alert white or alert black or whatever, like some level of description that defines the criticality of this information. So now you can operationalize it in an immediate way, right? This is what this information is. Unfortunately, one of the best advantages that we have as defenders is strength in numbers. So if we see some, you know, brethren organization, whether it's another water treatment plant or another manufacturing plant or whatever, get hit by telling us that they're getting hit. It allows us 
to strengthen ourselves and hopefully defend ourselves from further you know, uh, um, attacks from those threat actors, basically kind of nerfing um, the, the scope of the attack. Yeah, the initial victim is getting screwed. They are already on fire, okay? <laughs> like, this is fine emote. They're already on fire, and it sucks for them, and I hopefully ha oh, they have great controls in place to limit the damage and maintain business continuity. But that information helps everybody else from becoming also a dumpster fire. You see what I'm saying? So I love this. I think this is another great move by Sissa and Jenny Easterly. I'm all in. I'm all in. It's not, I don't even want to hit the spicy. I want something better. Like, I'm all in. Let's do it. Let's do it, Sissa. New Linux-focused malware targets IoT. Researchers at AT&T Alien Labs detailed the new malware dubbed Shikatega. This uses a unique multi-state infection chain using a series of modules. These modules each serve a specific purpose in the infection chain, along with downloading and executing the next one. It uses a polymorphic encoder to avoid antivirus detection and uses legitimate cloud services for C2 servers. The chain ends with a full device takeover and the installation of the XMRig crypto miner. Alien Lab says this demonstrates the overall rise in Linux-based malware over the last 12 months, up 650% on the year. Okay, so a couple interesting things here. Um, they're talking about a Shikitatiga, Shikitiga uh, malware. That's a tough one to say. Um, targeting Linux, again, be mindful, right? If you're running Linux infrastructure for any reason, a lot of IoT devices like they're talking about in here run um, stripped down kind of busy box version of uh, lightweight Linux instances, which obviously they don't have. They have fewer applications, binaries, executables on them, but they also don't really have security on them. Um, so they're getting popped and you wouldn't have visibility over that. As we could see with 650% increase in Linux attacks or Linux malware being developed. Um, so this is interesting. One thing that they said in here, I'm, I'm, I'm reading right now with you guys how to protect against the infections. Uh, it's still relied on tried and true C2 architecture. Um, yeah. I mean, okay, this seems pretty basic um, best practice. Basic best practice, guys. Pay attention to, um, you know, you should have hopefully some type of telemetry coming in of known compromised infrastructure assets, seeing network traffic going out. It, it does rely on C2 infrastructure. So uh, an IoT device gets initially popped and with some lightweight infection, and then it reaches out and starts pulling down actual payloads, the, the, the red line info stealers or whatever custom malware it is. And then ultimately the crypto miner that they talked about in the story. If you're, um, if your IoT devices are working overtime or they're running hot, they might be infected. If you see network traffic going off, um, it could mean an indication of compromise. Um, again, you really shouldn't have these devices internet facing. Uh, QNAP, I'm looking at you. <laughs> so you, you want to, there's a couple things you can do. You can control this at the network layer by having network segments for IoT devices, uh, not, you know, so they're less, less likely to get infected. And if they do, they can't spread laterally. That's not necessarily going to stop everything uh, in this particular story. Change default username and creds. It, it, it wasn't clear to me how the initial infection happens, whether it's through exploitation or through its defa default credentials, a la Mirai botnet. Um, it wasn't clear to me in that story. What I found interesting in the story is that it, um, it seemed 
ridiculously overcomplicated the attack chain that it does, where it infects you and then it pulls down the next load and infects that, then pulls down the next load and infects that. Like, I don't know. You'd almost expect these guys to, like, yeah, it's good having modular code. That way you can update certain segments pretty easily without having to update the entire quote unquote kill post exploitation kill chain. But at the same time, like, making it overly complicated for the sake of overcomplication. Anytime you add complexity, it has likelihood of failing. There's multiple points of failure. So I'm not trying to tell the threat actors how to do their job. I just, you know, I guess that's what I think about this particular one. But the TLDR is be aware of the C2 infrastructures used by this one. Be mindful of malware uh, rise for Linux. So checking those things and definitely change default creds on all your IoT devices. And oh, by the way, Educate your end users that it's not okay, Carl, I'm looking at you, it's not okay to stick IoT devices on your on your network, right? Like, if I don't know about it, how can I protect against it? And if you stick it on the network because you want to look at a loading dock or something like that, it's not going to work, okay? So, Carl, don't do that. Albania cuts diplomatic ties over cyber attack. Albania's Prime Minister Eddie Rama said the country cut diplomatic ties with Iran, citing a major cyber attack in July that shut down several government sites and services. This marks the first time a nation severed diplomatic ties directly over such an incident. A group referred to as Homeland Justice took credit for the attack. Rama said an investigation found undeniable evidence that the attack was orchestrated and sponsored by the Islamic Republic of Iran. The security firm Mandiant expressed moderate confidence the attackers acted in support of Tehran's anti-dissident efforts. All right. Well, this is interesting. Okay. Albania, a NATO member since 2009, cutting diplomatic ties. Guys, when you, like, I'm not a geopolitical scientist or poli-sci person or anything like that. I know enough to be dangerous. Here's the deal. In the world of influencing national power, you have four options. It's called DIME. Diplomat, information, military, and economic, okay? Albania is saying diplomacy is off the table. If we're going to deal with us, Iran, or we're going to deal with you, it's either going to be through information, warfare, military warfare, which is the obvious one, and then um, economic, like sanctions and stuff. And we see this with uh, the way that Russia has been economically sanctioned um, to the moon with what's going on with Ukraine. So Albania, you know what? I guess if Iran was attacking them, I was not aware of Iran uh, attacking Albania. I do know that Iran is a, what I would consider an APT, an advanced persistent threat. They do have advanced um, cyber capabilities and they're not afraid to uh, flex them. If they were hitting Albania, um, you know, it's it's not really that much different than a military strike, although in the cyber warfare, it's very difficult to do attribution and stuff like that. So um, Albania is making a, taking a stand. And I see this as, I don't want to say this is like an erosion, but I mean, they are a member of NATO, right? So this could be the beginning of, you know, I, I hope to God it's not, but I mean, this could be the first of many steps of like, oh, we're on this side and you're on this side in a geopolitical war kind of way right so like nato think of like allied powers and you know what i mean like diplomacy is breaking down <laughs> right uh so very uh concerning very scary something to keep your eye on but albania is done with iran so if iran keeps up this nonsense um it could it could lead to problems 
Yeah, Josh, possibly. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, I don't think Iran would run solo. You know what I'm saying? I feel like Iran would try to find uh, allies as well. Twitter will face Mudge allegations in lawsuit. In the latest update to Twitter's lawsuit against Elon Musk, the billionaire got both good and bad news. Delaware Chancellor Kathleen St. Jude McCormick denied Elon Musk's attempt to push back the October trial date for Twitter's lawsuit, saying Twitter would be unduly harmed in a delay. However, she said that Musk should be granted a wide latitude to amend claims before the start of the trial, including incorporating claims made by Twitter's former security chief, Peter Zatko. The two sides must negotiate to allow for limited discovery of Zatko's documents in the case. Okay, I, I mean, I don't even begin to understand um, any of this. Okay, so whatever. Elon Musk asked for more time because Zapco, we've talked about this several times over the last two weeks on Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, so I'm not going to belabor it. Um, you know, this litigation between Elon and Twitter, it's very public. It's very in your face. Elon's asking for additional time, uh, presumably to go through uh, Mudge's emails and see what's going on. You know, I'll tell you what, man, if I was going to buy a company, <laughs> if I was going to buy a company like there's, I mean, obviously I'm wicked biased because I'm a cybersecurity lover, but part of the due diligence period would be investigating the cybersecurity posture of a company. Like, I don't care what you tell me. I'm going to look for myself and, and determine like, are you infected? Who are you coupled with? What's your third-party risk management look like? What's your user management look like? How many domain admins are you running? How many operator? How many operators you got? Like, like, just a million different questions, right? So, anyways, this this story continues to persist. I mean, I'm just gonna leave it there, okay? And now, thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Sneak. Developers want to code fast, and security wants to ship securely and they want to do it all from the cloud. That's why they both choose Sneak. Backed by industry-leading security intelligence, Sneak provides real-time scanning with automated fixes and remediation advice right from the tools and workflows developers use. Code, dependencies, containers, cloud environments, all of it. And while developers are building securely, Sneak gives security teams a bird's eye view of all of their projects and cloud environments so they can prioritize and focus their efforts in the right places. Developer tested, security approved. Start your free Sneak account at sneak.co slash cybersecurity. That's S-N-Y-K dot co slash cybersecurity. All right. Yeah, no coffee for me today. I was up early this morning, drank a pot of coffee, then went and taught at the Citadel. Uh, thank you, everybody. It's the mid-roll, so you know what we're about to talk about. Uh, shout out and thanks to our sponsors, Barricade Cyber and Recon InfoSec, who's new on board with the cybersecurity uh, sponsorship train here. Uh, they have donated five student licenses to the um, Simply Cyber community. A $3,500 value. This is a core security operations center analyst training. It's a four-day effective security ops training that you're like on a team like basically i said this the other day it's like space camp this isn't lectures and labs and talking about what sock analysts do this is literally butt in seat hand on keyboard active incident and you're on a team of sock analysts and you're putting together what the heck is going on and the staff at recon infosec is leading the exercise and they're available they're very very accomplished uh, practitioners and they're leading the exercise uh, and helping you understand. You use tools like Hive, Velociraptor, OS Query, 
um, uh, Greylog. You use, you use a lot of tools that they use. They explain it all to you. I've taken the two-day class. It's on the Simply Cyber YouTube channel. It's super dope. If you are a SOC analyst or aspire to be one, this training is going to take you. It's like strapping a rocket to your back, lighting that candle and saying, let's go. Okay. We're going to give it away right now. So recon, type recon in chat. A lot of people are seeing, already seeing it. So go ahead and type recon in chat and we will draw at the end of the stream. Hold on one second. Let me make sure. Yeah, there we go. Everybody's getting in there now. 10 people are in. Uh-oh. Did I lose my audio? Oh, no. There we are. Okay, guys. Recon's in here. I want to remind everybody, too. We're doing a special thing. You have eight minutes left to enter. You can enter the chat, the raffle by entering Recon right now for one of the student things. And if you go to the Discord server on Simply Cyber on the giveaway channel... There is another way to enter for the second one. This was set up for the team replay people to be able to enter over the last couple days. But if you want to enter, you still have a chance. Go to the Simply Cyber Discord server. Go to the giveaway channel. Hit the little celebration emote to enter. I'm just going to tell you right now, we currently have 144 people entered into the Discord server giveaway so someone's gonna win it it's going to be sick i love it 11 more minutes until that one gets drawn and this one will draw at the end of the stream today all right so thank you to recon infosec for their generosity both in sponsoring the stream and in this wonderful raffle prize for the simply cyber community all right guys let's keep rolling hotel group discloses cyber attack in a filing with the London Stock Exchange, Intercontinental Hotels Groups disclosed parts of the company's technology system has been subject to unauthorized activity. This began on September 5th and was described as ongoing. Customers attempting to book rooms or access rewards saw a maintenance message on hotel sites. Messaging around the attack suggests ransomware. There's no indication the attack compromised guest data at this time. Intercontinental Hotels Group oversees many hotel brands, including Intercontinental, Crown Plaza, and Holiday Inn. Oh, yeah, not good. Okay, so IHG, you can see like major company, major hotel hospitality company. They own um, properties like Intercontinental, Holiday Inn, like everybody's heard of Holiday Inn. You know, some of these other ones I never heard of, Hotel Indigo, uh, Kimpton. I'm sure that they're really nice, fancy hotels, and that's why I've never heard of them. Um, but, anyways, Ransomware threat actors got into their system, which is a you know obviously a gold mine, uh, and were able to ransomware them. Uh, obviously, this is a great example of if you don't have business continuity or you're not prepared for a ransomware incident, how real it can be to have business interruption. Guys, you think about it for a second. You're like, oh, well, we're a hotel. You can't ransomware my hotel room. Like if a patron walks in, they can get the hotel room. They can sleep there. No level of encryption can stop you from opening the door and laying in the bed and sleeping on it, right? The problem is these mass, this massive company requires technologies in order to coordinate um, setting up appointments, canceling appointments, changing reservations, adding, uh, you know, I'm having a dog. I need a trundle bed. I have special dietary needs, whatever, okay? They are hosed right now. And hopefully they have the ability, they've gone through the exercises. Maybe they called Barricade Cyber and set up a no obligation call to talk through what happens with a ransomware attack. I don't know. But they need to get back online because they are literally losing 
real money, like real money every single day. The fact that, dude, if you guys are going, I'm going to uh, Texas next Wednesday, right? I need a hotel room. If I go to HolidayInn.com and it doesn't resolve, I'm just going to go to Marriott.com. I don't care. A hotel room is a hotel room, right? So there's that. They're losing money hand over fist right now while they're down. Secondly, it's it's not proven yet, but I would assume a lot of their guest data has been compromised. Enjoy all of the expenses associated with that, including the bad pub. Um for, you know, uh, we take your privacy and security seriously. Here's a year of identity theft fraud and a voucher for free drinks next time you come stay with us. Sorry, right? So this sucks. This sucks for them. They're going through a, a nightmare. Still too early to really understand how this infection actually occurred. Um, it could be uh, unauthorized user access. It could have been a technical exploitation. I, I don't know. Um, insider threat potentially. But just know... If you guys are trying to book hotel rooms right now, I, you know, you might be screwed. I'm actually kind of curious. Let's let's do Holiday Inn. See what comes up. I can book a hotel room right now. So maybe they're maybe they're up and running. Maybe they're up and running. Right? Oh, let's book somewhere in the Netherlands. I don't know. Okay. So I can book a hotel. So they're up and running. So good for them. Limited impact, but guys, you know, I guess this is a great opportunity uh, to highlight why business, um, business continuity and business resiliency and investing in ransomware recovery is so valuable. This, this, this chain, they could, it could have been devastating from a financial revenue perspective. ISPs drop lawsuit against Maine privacy law. Back in 2019, Maine passed an internet privacy law. This required internet service providers to obtain opt-in approval before they use, disclose, sell, or provide access to customers' personal information. A group of industry associations representing ISPs filed a lawsuit in February 2020 on First Amendment grounds. A judge had already dismissed the First Amendment argument last year, but the industry groups have been involved in active litigation challenging the law. Now, Maine Attorney General Aaron Frey announced the group filed to dismiss its lawsuit challenging the internet privacy law. Are you serious right now? Like, first of all, who would have thought Maine of all people, right? I am from New England. I, if <laughs> Maine, I don't think of as uh, progressive and like, you know, like I, California has tight privacy laws. I would think that, but Maine, you know, like Maine's telling California to, to hold my beer, apparently. Uh, so they come up with this wicked strict law requiring opt-in before um, ISPs can use your data. I love that a... Uh, uh, an industry association group, so basically well-funded lawyers, um, come in out of left field and like this violates our First Amendment right, dude. You're like, how's it? You're an ISP st selling people's data. Like, where is that First Amendment right applied? Like, I'd love to see chat uh, uh, comment on this. First Amendment rights, uh, like rights, apply to individuals. As far as I know, right? Like, you don't say like, oh, this business has First Amendment rights to freedom of speech. Like, yeah. I mean, there is context of like, this business is allowed to say something or, you know, have some type of like sign, whatever, because First Amendment rights. But to, to say that you're violating my First Amendment rights because I want to be able to sell customers data, I don't know. It seems a little, 
it seems a little, a bit of a reach, right? Which is, sounds like they're giving up on this litigation. Um, thank you, Josh Mason. So businesses do have rights. They're giving up on it. I think any, you know, judge with half a brain would agree that, you know, a person's data is their data and they're agreeing to internet service uh, services, not to sell their data to some third party and not get a taste of it, right? So uh, having said all that, way to go, Maine. Way to go, Maine. I almost need like a hold my beer sound. Um, do, I, do we have anything that even applies here? Uh, look at me. I'm the captain, maybe? Toasty. Yeah, we'll give Maine a toasty. There we go. Killnet strikes Japanese government sites. The Russian-affiliated group claimed credit for a series of cyber attacks across Japan, hitting several companies as well as 20 sites across four government agencies. The Japanese government said it began investigating if a denial-of-service attack took down the sites. It didn't confirm Killnet's involvement in recent outages at its eGov portal. Security researchers at Checkpoint Software believe Killnet caused the outages, saying it lines up with Japan's support for Ukraine in its ongoing conflict with Russia. If true, this follows other attacks by Kilnet impacting Italy, Lithuania, Estonia, Poland, and Norway. Yep. So All right. So, you know, this is geopolitical, big picture stuff. Kilnet, uh, they're a pro-Russia group. They are, you could almost call them like private sector mercenaries. They're, they're, a, they're not, as far as I know, they're not affiliated officially with Russia, the government, but they are pro-Russia. And they've made it a point to um, attack enemies of Russia and Japan is just the next one, right? So they're doing a distributed denial of service attack. It's suspected to be Killnet. It's important to note that it's not attributed to Killnet. It's just suspected. Try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Japanese websites, government websites, e-gov sites um, hit uh, with a denial of service attack. Essentially, it's like any other denial of service attack, right? You got to keep up the, uh, the stream of data in order to make sure that the websites are not available. This impacts the citizens of Japan in some capacity. And uh, the Japanese government looks kind of foolish because they can't keep their services up. Um, I'm not saying it's a big deal. I'm not saying it's a small deal. I mean, it's slightly annoying uh, that you got to keep it up. And obviously, Killnet is like thrashing out, trying to make a example of Japan saying, hey, if you support Ukraine, then you're against us and we, you are likely to be attacked by us. So, you know, it's, it's like supposed to be like a warning to other countries. Don't support Ukraine and a warning to Japan. Like if you want this to stop, stop supporting uh, Ukraine. Geopolitical cyber war stuff. Cisco passes on patching end of life routers. Cisco issued a security advisory warning that it will not patch a zero day on its RV110W, RV130, RV130W, and RV215W routers, as these have all reached end of life. Cisco last sold these routers on December 2nd, 2019. The flaw results from a faulty password validation algorithm that could be used to log into a VPN using crafted credentials with IPsec VPN server enabled. This could ultimately allow an attack to gain admin privileges. Cisco found no evidence of the flaw being used in the wild and didn't find any proof of concept exploits. All right. So some good news here and some bad news here. This is definitely going to be the story for peers on the weekly kick butt newsletter that I send out every Monday, exclamation point newsletter in chat. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I send this killer email every Monday morning so you can like be the first one at work to just lace up your boots and start kicking butt everywhere. Okay. This is going to be the pier one. I have no doubt. Listen, 
Cisco won't fix this thing. And you know what? I appreciate that they're not going to fix it because in all reality, this is an end of life piece of technology that they shouldn't be supporting. The fact that they're actually coming out and making people aware that it's being uh, exploited or there's a, uh, a zero day available is good. But here, here's the two things. One, if you are running the, uh, I forget what version they said here, Cisco, uh, they, they, they definitely said the, uh, here, if you're running the RV110W, RV130, RV130W, or RV215W routers, then you need to talk to management now if you haven't already uh, uh, budgeted for this. You need to get tech replaced now, okay? They said in the story that there are no known active exploitations in the wild and that it's it's you know it's it's a zero day out there but there is no active exploitation this is a temporal thing this basically means that you don't need to um you don't need to um like stop listening to the stream right now and go fix this but you do need to make this a priority if you're running these routers these routers they talked about vpn access there's a high probability that these routers are internet facing so if you are running technology that's internet facing that has a zero day that will not be patched that can lead to full compromise into your network this is a big deal that you need to take uh care of you can use this story as ammunition to explain to your CIO why you need money today to replace these assets and manpower uh, in time and priority. I don't care about the, the rollout of the new project, like Kevin. We need to fix this ASAP, okay? Because it's not being actively exploited today, but it might be actively exploited in a week or two weeks or three weeks. And with services like Shodan.io, it will be trivial to find these devices. You will not be able to hide because you're a small company. Shodan doesn't care. Shodan will categorize everything. And being able to fingerprint these things is trivial, okay? So in conclusion, if you're running this tech, make it a priority to replace it. If you're running this tech, be mindful that there's no patch coming out for you, okay? You need, you're using end-of-life legacy software, and that's not okay. I get it that it costs money to replace. This is one of those times when, yeah, it still works, but there's a major problem that we need to fix, and this is what we need to do. All right. Where are we at with uh, stories? Okay. So, yep. So that is the news stories for today. Let me do this really quickly, because I do love myself some midnight. Uh, let's do this. Do, do, do. Can we do this? Can we do this? All right, let's let's bring it down. Bring it down. All right, all right. So, guys, that does the news story for today. I want to announce that we have got our first security operations center analyst training winner on Discord. Congratulations to ViperSec. ViperSec has won on the Discord channel. So, congratulations to ViperSec. ViperSec, connect with me on YouTube. I mean, on YouTube on Discord. Um, and let me know, uh, you know, basically what your email address is. And that's how we'll roll. Uh, before I draw the winner for the Recon InfoSec uh, live raffle giveaway, uh, I just want to remind people we did talk about in this first story about CISA and uh, soliciting feedback around critical infrastructure. Gosh, I wish I could learn more about critical infrastructure. Oh, don't worry, Pilgrim. I've got you. Later today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 
We are bringing Irfan Shaquille from OpSwat on. And we're going to be talking about critical infrastructure. We're going to be talking about how you can get cybersecurity skills and education around protecting critical infrastructure for free. What? What? Yes, for free. How you can get great education specifically tied to critical infrastructure, cybersecurity skilling for free. And then how you can take that knowledge and be able to parlay it into opportunity and employment. And if you work somewhere... Justin Gold, looking at you, that is critical infrastructure, then how you can use this knowledge and education, which again, has a budget item of $0 to be more effective at your job. And who doesn't like that? I, I definitely like that. All right, so definitely join us at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time later today in order to giddy up on that. Now let's do the giveaway. You guys ready? Let's draw. Here we go. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Our winner of the Thursday live Recon InfoSec core training is Archangel. Archangel. Subscribed on June 20th, 2022. Archangel, congratulations on the W. There we go. So now we've got two winners, ViperSec and Archangel. Our winners today, congratulations, and thanks again to Recon InfoSec. Let me bring up this. Oh, guys, solid W today. I love that I've been keeping it at 45 minutes. We are two minutes to 45 minutes, so I will let it run a little bit long today. If you were just here for the news, thank you so much for being here. I genuinely appreciate it. I hope you got value if you did. The simplest thing I could ask is that you share the daily cyber threat briefing with other people in your network. Uh, either, hey, like check out the story or B, hey, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. It might be worth your time to go check out simplycyber.io slash streams. You can see the URL at the top over there. Share that with them. The thumbs up, the thumbs up is great. The likes are great, uh, but it, it that's not really what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to help people either uh, level up from a cybersecurity perspective and be more effective and help people answer the question at an interview. How do you stay current in cybersecurity? Okay. The likes are fine, but that's not really the goal of what we're doing here. All right, guys, if you have to go have a great day. Otherwise, uh, I'll spend another minute saying what's up. Thank you. Yula Chua. Thanks, Joseph Allen. Thanks everybody from the community. Jared Pierpoint. Good to see you guys. If you haven't, I'm going to bring this up really quickly again. Um, I would ask that you consider signing up for the, uh, the newsletter. If you go to exclamation point newsletter or simply cyber.io slash newsletter, you'll be presented here. You just drop in your email address and I will send you an email on Monday morning. That is very easy to digest, probably 90 seconds. And it tells you something that you can do to improve the life and reduce risk for your end users, for your peers, like that Cisco story and for executives. Thanks, Nathan Boland. I do love The Midnight. Spoiler alert, The Midnight's got a new album dropping tomorrow. I might stay up to midnight tonight to, to listen to it. I, I cannot eat enough The Midnight. My pleasure, Munchkin. Very great. Yeah, I know. I know, uh, Internal Stranger. I appreciate you being out here, though, um, for the morning briefing, especially with the 10 a.m. push. Hey, Jeffrey, John, Kyle, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. You guys have been great. 
Have a good day, everyone. Do good stuff. Secure secure all the things. Take it easy. Just a bite. David B. The Midnight. The Midnight. It's the song that we're listening. I mean, it's the group we're listening to right now. It's it's pretty much the only thing I listen to. <laughs> it's pretty much the only thing I listen to. Anyways. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's stream. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Secure all the things. Hopefully we see uh, many of you at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time later today as we talk about critical infrastructure cybersecurity skills. All the best. Be good, everyone.